this morning. He's worthy. Amen. We serve a good God. How many just glad to be in the dry this morning? Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, it's always good to be able to come into God's house and worship with God's people. It's always a privilege. But as we, we're in this time of year and we celebrate the birth of our Lord, we just, we just want to be careful to give him all the honor and the glory that he's due because he came to bring us life. Amen. And I'm thankful that more than words can ever express as we continue to worship this morning. I just encourage you, hey, forget about what you brought through those doors with you and lay it at his feet this morning because he wants to take it. Amen. Because of your son. 
you are our light. You are our hope. You are the one that gives us meaning to life. And God, we sing Noel to you. We shout for joy to you this morning because of what you did 2,000 years ago when you came as a baby to redeem us from our sins. We love you, Lord. We're going to have a ministry time right now in our, the middle of our service, and we want to pray with anyone that has a prayer need. We're going to call our prayer team forward, and um, if you have sickness in your body, if you have a financial need, a family need, whatever you have need of, we're going to believe for miracles today. But I was praying over the service this weekend, and I felt like God said that we're going to be people here today that were needing wisdom. The scripture in James 1 says, if you lack wisdom, ask of God and he will give it to you liberally. And I felt like during our prayer time today, there were those of you that were needing wisdom about some business decisions and also about some moves and maybe some other things in your life. And we would like to pray with you. So I'm calling my prayer team down forward. And if you have any need, come forward and we will pray. But especially if you're needing wisdom today. Stories of what they think you're like, but I pretend to whisper of love in the dead of night. When you tell me that you're pleasing.
This is our Kids Zone Elementary. These kids up here on the steps are our Kids Zone Choir, and they have been practicing for months, getting this ready for you guys. And Mason down here, when he came up and decided he wanted to do the choir, the whole purpose was just so that kids could learn how to worship and learn how to lead us into worship. So as we just lead you guys into this song, I just you can have a seat, but I want to let it minister to you. Smile at them. We're all a little nervous. And so we're... Oh, we practice Sunday morning at 9 o'clock if you want your child to be in it every first service, and then they can stay for second. First, But it's incredible, and we're really excited, so y'all worship with us. Oh uh-huh. 
Wonderful. Kids, y'all can come down and start having a seat. While they're getting ready, we are, I just wanted to let you guys know, today, right after service, if your child is currently in the second grade, so second grade through sixth grade, we are having our summer camp meeting already, I know, but we have to get signed up so we can get everybody that wants to go a spot. It'll be right upstairs in the Hollywood room, so we'd love to have you if you're interested in that. And also, while the our preschoolers are coming down and having a seat, Mason, the guy right over there that was leading, that handsome one, we are getting married on January 1st, and we want everybody to be there that wants to. <laughs> and it'll be here. It's on a Friday at 7.30, so we'd love to have you there. And while these kids are coming around and Pastor John's getting ready, That's didn't they do daughter. a good job earlier? That's my daughter, in case you don't know, and you're clapping about her marriage. I'm still trying to talk her into staying home with Dad, but I'm losing the battle. Well, you kids did a great job singing. Look at me just a second now. We want to talk just a little bit about Christmas. Who can tell me why we celebrate Christmas? Jesus' birthday. Very good answer. Uh, who likes Christmas? Boy, I do too. I love it too. Why, why do we like Christmas? Who wants to tell me, why do you like Christmas? Uh, so you can spend time with your family. Oh, that's a good answer. What else? Why do we like Christmas? Christmas dinner. Christmas dinner. Do you cook Christmas dinner, Andrew? No. No. Why else do we like Christmas? Okay, you do it, you do it. The Christmas dances and the ladies. <laughs> Would his father please stand up? Someone else, why do we like Christmas? Because we get to celebrate God's birth. We get to celebrate the Lord's birth. Well, I like Christmas too. Who can tell me, of course, over there is an Advent wreath. And we light a candle every week. And that word Advent means the coming of the Lord. And on Christmas Eve, we'll have a special service and light that center candle. And uh, who can tell me how many Christmas trees were in the stable where Jesus was born? How many Christmas trees? About 50. 50. Okay. None. None. Good answer. Christmas, is, Christmas trees are something fun that we do, but Jesus was born in a manger or it was like an animal stall. But I tell you what, I've got a Christmas tree, and let me tell you, when you look at your Christmas tree, I want you to think about this. Uh, what do you have on the top of your Christmas tree? A star. A star. And what does the star remind us of? It reminds you of uh, where the uh, wise man's followers to get to Jesus. That's exactly right. The star of Bethlehem. Uh, how about all the lights on the Christmas tree? What do they remind us of? Say it loud. I'm not trusting you again. <laughs> the, an- the angels that were pray- praying the-, the birth of God. Now, that's pretty cool. I have an angel on top of my Christmas tree, but when I see the lights on the Christmas tree, I think of all the stars that were in the sky when Jesus was born. How about presents under the Christmas tree? Who likes presents? Oh, yeah, me too. How many have gotten me a present? Let me see your hand. Thank you, Parker. Thank you. Thank you. Well, those presents reminds us of the wise men that brought gifts to Jesus 
after he was born. Now, I want to read you a scripture from the Bible. It's called a prophecy. And a prophecy is, is something that was written down that God gave a man or a woman that he showed him something about the future, and it's a prediction, not a guess, but it's a prediction of what was going to happen. And 700 years before Jesus was born, God told us the city. Now, that's a big, big thing. Weatherman, if I was a weatherman, I could look outside and say it's going to rain today, but most times they're just doing kind of a best guess. But the Scripture says in Micah 5, 2, but you, Bethlehem, it's a town, Ephrathah. It's like saying Redwater in Bowie County. Though you're little among the thousands of cities of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting, or from the days of eternity. And what that's talking about is Jesus... And it talks about Jesus in his eternal existence, but it picks the exact town he was going to be born. And that's an incredible thing, and that gives us confidence in the words of the Bible. Give these kids a big hand. They did a good job today. Welcome to Church on the Rock, and Merry Christmas! We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the chair back in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of opportunities to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop it in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the connector and we will receive a free gift bag. Don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you at Church on the Rock. service Wednesday, December 23rd. Join us for our annual Christmas Eve service, December 24th from 6 to 7 p.m. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a child on Christmas morning. Their excitement is contagious. You can see that spark of Christmas in their eyes.
Unfortunately, so many people in our community won't have or get to see that spark. Here at Church on the Rock, we are doing everything we can to spread the joy and true message of Christmas, and you can be a part of it. We have seven different ministries you can get involved with to spread the love of Christ this Christmas. Angel Tree, providing Christmas presents for children in our church. Sidewalk Sunday School, bringing Christmas to over 100 children at Sunset and Smithkey Apartments. Coat Drive, providing coats for the homeless. Gifts for missionaries, sending gifts to missionaries in the mission field. Project Hope, providing Christmas for 15 families in need. Nursing Home, bringing Christmas presents to the elderly at Heritage Plaza. Prison Ministry, providing inmates with Bibles. And you can help people get the ultimate Christmas gift by picking up a Church on the Rock Christmas invite and inviting your friends and family to our Christmas services. Let's do everything we can to bring the joy of Christ this Christmas to our Texarkana community. Amen. Everybody doing good? Glad you're in the house of the Lord. Would you agree it is a wonderful time of the year? I mean, really a reminder of all God's done for us and a chance for us to be a blessing. And as you saw in that video and in those flyers, there's a lot of opportunities to help. And because we want to see that uh, excitement come to people that uh, may be really struggling during this time of year. Matter of fact, I think there's still two angels on the angel tree if anybody wants to grab those, and those will be all cleaned out. But uh, look for opportunities to help serve. And speaking of serving, Friday night, we had several hundred uh, of you out at a celebration. It was our annual Christmas party that all of our volunteers, small group leaders come to, and it's out at Elk uh, Meadow Ranch. And uh, first of all, do you realize it takes hundreds of people, volunteers, to make these services go? Did I hear right now, 80 for just children ministry on a weekend, 85 for just a weekend. And so what do you say we give all of our volunteers a big round of applause? Amen. And that's what this ministry guide represents. And I, if I were you, I'd have a goal next year of finding a place to serve and being involved and being at the party. Because I want to see that uh, Christmas party twice as big next year. Amen. All of everybody serving. You know, we continue to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. And there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to read about three verses. But what I'm going to do, I'm going to say a short prayer. I'm going to read this verse, and I want you to allow God to speak to your heart. We're just going to pause 15 seconds and just be quiet. And just ask God to speak to your heart if there's anything you need to want you to do this holiday season or whatever it is. But uh, let's just, Father, we just come before you. We thank you. You're communicating God. We ask you just to speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember that the person who sows few seeds will have a small crop. The one who sows many seeds will have a large crop. You should each give then as you have decided, not with regret or out of a sense of duty, for God loves the one who gives gladly. And God is able to give you more than you need so that you will always have all you need for yourselves and more than enough for every good cause. Father, we want to thank you just for an opportunity to experience your peace and presence. And Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. And I just think we can stop any time, any day, 
and just sense your peace and just and just expect you to hear hear your voice because you're communicating God and we thank you love us in Jesus name amen this really brings Christmas close to a person fantastic Charlie Brown, remember what Lucy said? This doesn't seem to fit the modern spirit. I don't care. I'll decorate it, and it'll be just right for our play. Besides, I think it needs me. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Give Linus a big hand there. Pretty smart guy. Well, I was eight years old when Charlie Brown first came on the scene with the first Christmas. That was 50 years ago. It, I know I don't look it, but it has shown every year since. Millions of people have seen it. When Hollywood first got the idea that they were going to bring Charlie Brown on the scene, they were mocked and they were thought, well, that won't be successful in America. But what Charlie Brown did is he struck a chord in America. He struck a chord into the commercialization, the secularization of Christmas, and helped us kind of remember that Jesus is indeed the real reason for the season. You can have fun with sand and trees and all that, but the very center of what we remember is the fact that God sent His Son to be born on earth. When I was young, it seemed like everybody wanted to celebrate Christmas. Now, that doesn't mean everybody was a dedicated Christian, but what it means, our culture embraced Christmas. I mean, there were, you know, uh, there were Christmas parades, not just holiday parades. There were Christmas parties, not holiday parties. I mean, it was everywhere. There were manger scenes, uh, you know, in the courthouse, and we'd have prayers. It was just a part of our culture. But sadly today, it's very different. Christmas today, there's a, there's a move underfoot now for a number of years to try to get rid of anything having to do with Christmas. 
And they don't want to get rid of the parties. They don't want to get rid of all the buying and selling for the GDP. But what we want to get rid of is this name, Christmas, Christ, a Latin term, Christ Mass, the worship of Christ, that literally means by definition that it was a series of worship times. It was a series of gatherings to worship the Lord and express thanks for what He's done. And that's what our culture hates. That's why there's lawsuits to remove manger scenes off courthouse lawns. That's why if you go to a kid's pageant today, many, many times you'll hear, you'll hear jingle bells, but you won't hear anything to do with Silent Night. You won't hear anything to do with, oh, come, let us adore him. There's a darker side, though, that's coming to the forefront in America that we are struggling with, and politicians are on both sides of this. We have offended in our culture today. Well, let me read one more. In, in the University of Tennessee, just recently, they posted on their website encouraging employees to make sure their holiday parties did not resemble a Christmas party in disguise. And the universities wanting to be sure that they were inclusive and, diver- and showing diversity, they said decorations and refreshments should not be specific to any religion or culture. It's like this mass attempt not to uh, make sure people don't get offended, and we don't care that God is offended. But we don't want to make sure that people aren't offended. It's interesting that the same display is, is not evidenced during the Muslim holidays. It's not evidenced around the Koran or anything to do with that religion. In the essence of it, there's a, a hatred of Christ. and Jesus said it would come in Christianity. But it's taken on a darker side. I listened recently to a quote by a Muslim cleric, a Western, a Western cleric. He said that saying Merry Christmas is worse than fornication. Saying Merry Christmas is worse than drinking alcohol or killing someone. And lest we forget, a few days ago, a Muslim terrorist, Saeed Farouk, and his wife went to a Christmas party in the workplace in San Bernardino and murdered 14 people and shot dozens of others, the largest terror attack since 9-11. And the newscasters, shortly after that, some said, well, he was enraged because of a Christmas party that he went to and a Christmas tree that he was had to, to look at and behold. And it was so offensive, he, he, violence took place. Well, many in America are lost or deceived. And that's where this comes from. They're lost, they're deceived. I wish I could give every American a bag of popcorn and make them watch the Charlie Brown Christmas story. I mean, it would just kind of let us know that what Christmas is indeed all about. And what I want to do this morning as a person that believes in the Bible and the Christmas story in the Bible, the first Christmas, we look in the Bible, we see that in Matthew and Luke, the first couple chapters is where we talk about the birth of Christ. I want to look this morning at what I'm going to call some Christmas saints, So men and women who lived surrounding the birth of Christ, look at their lifestyles. I want you to take a peek with me this morning at Zachariah and Elizabeth, the the would-be parents of John the Baptist. We'll look at two older people that met baby Jesus when he was eight days old in the temple, Anna and Simeon. And what we'll see about these four people is they all share something in common. They remain faithful to God when life didn't make sense. Let me say it again. They remain faithful to God. When life didn't make sense. Now that's very applicable to us. This is not just a history lesson or a Bible lesson. It is allowing the words of the Bible to speak into our lives. To see some things that we can identify with and relate to in this Christmas story. Because the question I'll ask today is, what do you do when your prayers are not answered? What do you do when you feel sometimes like God has perhaps forgotten you? What do you do when sometimes when you feel like you're having to go through something and it's, it just never stops? 
you'll make a choice, just like our saints in the Bible today, we'll either remain faithful to God and serve Him, or we'll allow our self-disappointment to cause us to deter away from God and His purposes in our life. Uh, I'm looking at a text this morning in Psalm 101, verse 6, and the Scripture says, I will search for faithful people to be my companions. Now, this is God speaking through the psalmist, and God said He's looking for faithful people. We're going to see this in the life of Zechariah and Elizabeth. We're going to see it in Anna and Simeon. We'll see it in the life of Joseph. I'm looking for faithful people to be my companions. God is saying to walk with me, to have relationship with me. And he goes on to say, He who walks in a way that is blameless, doing what God asks, shall minister to me. I mean, it's a picture of men and women in relationship with God, doing that which God has called them to do. And the key thing God looks for, excuse me, looks for, and my life and yours is faithfulness or staying with God when life doesn't make sense. Let's explore it this morning. I've entitled the message Christmas Saints, and the first two I want to look at is Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, we know them as the parents of John the Baptist. We know them as people that brought in to the world uh, arguably the greatest prophet in the era of the biblical times that Jesus lived. He was the forerunner of Christ. He would one day baptize tens of thousands, some scholars believe hundreds of thousands of people, causing them to turn to their sin to prepare the way of Jesus himself. How many would say that's a pretty great way to have a kid to do that? I mean, to be able to be a part of that. Let's read their story now because I'm going to suggest to you that it was not all roses for them. Luke chapter 1 verse 5, it was in the time of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Now what this means is, is they were both a part of families that shared a lineage that traced back to Aaron, the priest with Moses. And these were the official ministers of the Jewish people, the priests. You couldn't just be one because you wanted to go to Bible school. You had to be born in the family. That's why genealogies were so important to the people of their era. It identified to the Jewish people their, their uh, standing with God. But look at verse 6 and 7. Here's where, where I'm interested. It says, both of them were righteous. Can you say righteous? Righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Now, verse 7 is what intrigues me, but they were childless. Can you say that? Childless. No baby. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they're both very old. Now, there's a tension here that's caught up in four words, five words, actually. Here we have, on one hand, people that are righteous and blameless, and there's the expectation that God will bless the righteous, that He will cause His favor to be on the righteous, a biblical theme throughout the, the Bible. But then we see the word childless, righteous and blameless, but can't have a baby. It just doesn't even feel right. And then it goes on to say, very old, which means she's past the time of childbearing. She's gone through the time of life where women are no longer able to bear children. And there's a sense in this passage that they had done everything God asked, but couldn't have a baby. And now it's too late. And how many know, look, there's something, a woman was created to give birth to a child. A man was, was called in marriage to, to want to hold a baby, to, to see his descendants and his heritage go farther. I see it all the time. Listen, I love babies. I don't care who they are. We've, we have a staff nursery, and I sneak in there on occasion and get down on my knees, and there's a couple little, little, little girls in there, and they're just sitting in their little bitty chairs, and I can get them to smile and grin. Well, that's nothing like their mom that holds them. 
We had a gal that uh, brought her baby to church, uh, I think it was last Wednesday, uh, just a few months old. And I told Bethany, I said, yeah, I had him sit by me so I could talk to the baby. And she said, well, I bet you didn't get to hold it because she won't let anybody hold that baby. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, we were, there's something about a child. My sister's, uh, um, that mar- the, the, the woman that married my sister's son, uh, first Miller grandchild, uh, and and, and she, the baby comes on Thanksgiving. We all gathered around it, and it's like everything stops, and you just stare at the baby. And here this mother is just kind of hovering and protective. Well, look, everybody wants to have a baby, but here's two righteous, blameless people that can't. And how many know that's a problem? That's a problem particularly for them because God had promised they would. There's a scripture we can go to and we'll go to in the Bible that talks about childbearing but she couldn't have a baby. I wonder what went through her mind. And this is where I want to speculate a little because the Bible will record to us the actions of people. It will record what they did, but the Bible often doesn't tell us what a person felt. It doesn't tell us what they thought. And I'm going to speculate a little bit what we might think if we were in the shoes of these people today. You see, Deuteronomy 7 reminds us that these Jews were living in covenant with God. Deuteronomy 7 said, and Moses said this to the Israelite people of which Zechariah and Elizabeth were a part. If you pay attention to these laws and are careful to follow them, weren't they righteous and blameless? Then the Lord your God will keep his covenant of love with you. He'll bless the fruit of your womb. And verse 14 says, none. Can you say it with me? None of your men or or women will be childless. Straightforward promise. They're living righteously. I wonder if they began to wonder why they couldn't have a baby if God promised this. I wonder if they said, Is, have we done something wrong? Because mind you now, they would marry young in the biblical era. They would be in their early teens, mid to late teens. They'd get married and let's say they're 60 now and let's say they were you know, 18 or 20. Well, that's 40, 45 years of wanting, praying, believing God, wondering why even wondering if the Bible was true, wondering if God was such a good God, why should I serve Him when I can't have a baby? Now, I don't know if you've ever thought that way, but I have. It was a straightforward promise. They'd done what the Bible said. They'd followed God's commands, but it seemed like God hadn't done His part, and now they had a choice to make. Would they remain faithful to serve God, or would they disappointment make them give up? Now, here's what they didn't know. They didn't know that it was strictly a matter of timing. They didn't know that they would have privilege to bring into the world John the Baptist, and God wasn't ready when they were ready at 20 or 25 or 30 or 35 or 40 or 45 or, be careful, ladies, or 50. They were ready, but God wasn't ready, and God had a timing that's involved. I have watched women today that couldn't have a child. I've seen some, my wife has a grace for this, She's prayed for women to have children. The doctor said it was impossible, and through no assistance from science, they were able to have a baby. That's an amazing thing. But I've seen other people pray to have a child and couldn't have a child and did everything medically possible and no baby, and then they adopted a child, and they realized God's plan for them was to pour their love into this child because God had a grace on this child. We don't see everything. All we know is we have a desire for something to happen. But these people are an example for us to follow. And if I could give you a Texas proverb, it ain't over till it's over. 
When I typed ain't in my computer, it starts underlining and said, you can't do that. And I said, well, I'll just make this a word. And I you know, went in how you add to the dictionary. It's amazing today how we can make things up and change definitions at will. Our Supreme Court this year voted to change the, 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 the definition of marriage. As old as Western civilization itself with just the click of a button. But we live in this kind of world, and it is not over. But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, say it with me, a faithful man who can find. And that's exactly what Zechariah and Elizabeth were. They were faithful to serve God. Come on, when something that they wanted hadn't happened, and because they stayed with God, they were able to experience something greater than they could ever imagine. Come on, can you give the Lord a big hand today? Faithful to serve Him. When life doesn't make sense, if you'll stay with God, God will reveal Himself to you. Let's look at another one. Her name is Anna. She's a prophetess, which means she's one that speaks on the behalf of God. In Luke chapter 2, verse 36, I suggest to you this woman who lost her husband at an early age may be asked this question, Why did something bad happen to me? Why did God not stop this? Why did He allow it? Luke chapter 2, verse 38, Anna, a prophet or prophetess, was there in the temple, very key, and she's very old. Her husband died when they'd been married only seven years. Now, again, if she got married at 15 or so, and, and, and when she was 22, 23, 24, her husband dies. Now, think about this. She lived as a widow to the age of 84, some translate this verse and said that she was a widow 84 years. So here's a woman somewhere between her mid-80s and a little over 100 that has lived alone for 60, 70, 80, 90 years. I'm talking a lifetime. She lived alone. She never remarried. There's no indication of children. How many can say that that sounds pretty bleak? But look as we go. Verse 37, she lived as a widow to 84, but she never left the temple. The temple was the house of God. It was the church. It was the place where God's presence dwelt. But she stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Now, this is not the action of a bitter, angry woman, but this is a, the action of a woman that pressed into God when life gave her something that she didn't want to happen and didn't deserve it. But she worshiped God with fasting and prayer. But notice, she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph, and she began to praise God. Now, let's look at this picture. Here's a woman living alone for many, many decades of life. I wonder how many times she was tormented by the question, why did my husband die? Why did God do this to me? Widows, particularly in their day, there was no social services. There was no social security safety net for a widow. If she didn't have children, if she didn't have family that would take her in, she was in big trouble. She would literally have to beg for food. I wonder if there were times before life settled in for her in transition if she had to beg I wonder if she had to do what the poor would often do and stand at the gate of the temple and beg for alms, beg for change to fall into her hand. When you're in a place like that in life and something bad has happened to you, it's easy to look up to heaven and get angry at God. Come on. It's what Job's wife wanted him to do as he's, as he's basically lost everything. The devil has attacked him. Life's fallen apart. And she says, curse God and die. And he called her a foolish woman. 
He said, shall we accept not only the, the, the good things from God as well as the bad? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Something happens in this stream of Christianity where when bad things happen, we make a choice to stay with God because God is still good. Come on. Even if the world around us is bad. Uh, Anna, the, Anna, this prophetess, forces us to deal with a question as old as Job himself. Why do bad things happen to good people? When I look in the Bible, I can find you scores of promises that talk about God blessing the righteous and the favor and the goodness of the Lord to be on their family. I can't find you a scripture that promises that your wife will get breast cancer as mine did. But I can tell you we go through life and we face things. As a pastor, I remind people when pastor asks, people ask me, why did this baby die? Why did my husband leave me? Why don't I have a daddy in my life? I don't know everything, but I do know this. If you look at the first chapters of the book of Genesis, you don't see murder. You don't see people going to prison. You don't see stillborn children. You don't see divorce. You don't see acts of domestic violence. You don't see it in the first two chapters of Genesis until sin came into the world, until evil came into the world. But then you see it on every page of life until Genesis or Revelation chapter 20, 21, right in there, when there's a new heaven and a new earth, and the Bible says the former things are passed away, and there's no more dying, no more crying, no more pain, no more heartache, no more sickness. All that's gone. Come on. And it's the goodness of God and expressed in every avenue of life. But in this, which is called time, when Adam and Eve listened to Satan, and Satan said, if you'll just take a bite of this apple, if you'll disobey God then you'll be just like God. You'll know good from evil. Well, this is what mankind is coming to grips with. We're coming to grips with what is evil in the world. Now, I can tell people that, and I can give us a sense of biblical truth, but how many know just knowing this doesn't take our pain away? And we have a choice we have to make. If you've been abused as a child, whatever the case is, we've got a choice we have to make when feelings and faith collide. When I am in deep despair, well, do I get closer to God or will I pull away from God? There's a promise in James 4. It says, come close to God and God will come close to you. Come on, let's say it again. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Isn't that exactly what Anna the prophetess did? She found herself in the temple, and she didn't just go to church on a Sunday morning in the rain, and I applaud you for being here this morning. It would have been easier. We live stream all of our services, and I imagine if you were on the couch this morning, and uh, we just wave at them right now. We say we're glad you're listening. <laughs> I had someone on vacation in Orlando, Florida that was watching us this morning. But you know what? It's not the same as being here. I can hear it on my phone, but you know what? I can also be working in the kitchen, and I can be doing a myriad of things. But when I'm worshiping God with you, there's something about the presence of the Lord. Come on. There's something about God's people. And that's what gripped the heart of Anna. And Anna said, I'm just going to center my life around God. I, I might have lost my husband. I may be hungry. I I my life may not be where I want it to be. I may not have children surrounding me in the Christmas tree. But you know what? I've gone to the temple, and I'm worshiping God with prayer and fasting. And I found that God is still good, even though my life is bad. God is still good. And she found the life-giving flow that came from the Spirit of God. Come on, because she pressed into God in the midst of her trouble. She is a Christmas saint. She is as much a Christmas saint as my wife is. 
I bragged on my wife at our Christmas party, which, by the way, I, I, I hear our little computer system of tracking all our servants missed a couple, and I apologize deeply. Next year, we'll make sure we do it right. But I told the, the people that were gathered there, I said, my wife has been the greatest inspiration to me beyond any other preacher on television or anybody else I know the last three years. I have watched her just like Anna the prophetess of old. When she was diagnosed with breast cancer, we cried. We were confused. We didn't know what to do. But as we begin to go through the process, one of the things she's at her oncologist in the middle of radiation treatment, I mean, it was the severe kind in the midst of radiation. She said, I'd like to go to Haiti on a mission trip. Is it okay? Now, who does something like that? Listen, I'd be laying in bed as a man with my feet up going, oh, it hurts to move and I can't. But she's wanting to go to Haiti. My 16-year-old observed this in testimony and said, before mom had cancer, her influence was like here. But now that God's healed her, her testimony's like up here. And she goes like the ever-ready bunny. Because she realized that God is still good, come on, and God can use the testimony of my life as a proclamation, and I've got one life to live, so why don't I be like Anna the prophetess rather than just laying home and watching HBO on television? Are you with me today? Yeah. All right, let's keep going. Luke chapter 2. Let's look at another Christmas saint, and his name is Simeon. Simeon. And again, see, when I read the Bible... Obviously, I look for historical accuracy and truth. I look for theology, but I'm looking how the Bible applies to me, what I can gain from it. Next week, I mean, we'll even show you through Joseph's life. You can learn something from the genealogy about your life. But Luke chapter 2, verse 25, it says, There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Now, we don't know what Simeon this is, but there were, Simeon was a very common name. And so let's view this man as an ordinary person, just like you and I. And again, he's described as righteous and devout. In other words, he's dedicated to serve God. But here's the phrase I want to look at. He is waiting. Can you say waiting? Waiting, waiting for the consolation of Israel. The New Living Translation says he's eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this is interesting because most of the time when we wait, come on, we get impatient. How many know how long it takes to heat up your cup of water to put tea in it? My microwave, it takes two minutes. And it is an eternity if I stand in front of that microwave and stare. And I want to just put it in and take it out and drink it down and have it to be 100% organic and 100% healthy. Baked potatoes in an oven taste so much better than a microwave potato but I want it right now because I just got home from work and I'm ready to eat that potato and I'm impatient. You're not, are you? It's hard to wait. And here we've got another guy that's been waiting probably all his life for Jesus to come. And now he's an old man. He's 85 or he's 90, whatever. He's an old man. And the Holy Spirit's on him which tells me God saw the righteous, the devout life, and there was a visitation from heaven. You see, the Holy Spirit was not yet poured out on the day of Pentecost. Here's a man, though. The Holy Spirit would come on certain times and occasions on certain people, but it seemed like his righteous life opened a door for a depth in God that he desperately desired and needed. The Holy Spirit comes on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ or the Messiah. He came into the temple in the spirit. 
So here, three times the Holy Spirit is mentioned in this man's life. It's a depth of God that's desirable for us. He came by the Spirit in the temple, and Mary and Joseph bring in the child Jesus. He takes him in his arms. He blesses God. And he said, Lord, you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So what's happened? He's lived his entire life righteous, devout, and blameless. It is hard to wait, but because he waited, the Spirit of the Lord began to grow in intensity in his life, and God let him see the fulfillment. Come on. He was able to hold in his arms the baby Jesus, and praise came from his lips. Come on. From a man that had waited a long, long time. And I want to tell you, it is hard to wait. Usually when we wait, we complain, we get depressed, we get a bad attitude, we quit coming to church, we lose our faith. But yet, he is an example for us of a man that waited on God. Come on. And God did what he promised he would do. But we've got to keep ourselves in faith and walking strong with God. Listen, I'm, I'm likely going to do a series in January, January about a spiritual awakening in America. I'm praying about that. But how many know that's the only hope for America? I follow the presidential polls just like you probably do. We're going to get sick of it before it's over. There'll be lies and mudslinging. I know the candidates that I like, but I can tell you this. uh, I don't care who gets elected president. I don't care if it's Donald Trump or Ted Cruz or Hillary Clinton. They're not going to be able to fix what's broken in America because America's problem is a spiritual problem, and the culture that rejects Christ at Christmas is the same culture that rejects Christ every other day of the year, and what we need is a spiritual awakening. And I want to tell you, I have been waiting for a spiritual awakening ever since I have been a pastor in Texarkana for 25 years, but it hadn't happened yet. I have been, listen, I have driven to, to, to uh, Florida. There was a real Christian revival happening. We'd, we'd, we'd drive down there uh, and stand in line all day just to get in the building. Come on. And those kids would come back and, and, and they would write in Powerhouse, send revival, Lord, send it here, send it now. Why not us? But over the years, the banners came down. It's like over the years, you know, kids go through and they graduate. And a kid that used to lead the youth group, whew, Youth group is now strung out on drugs and somebody else backslid. Are you with me today? And it's just kind of hard. And a kid that you thought would go in ministry just ended up, I don't know, just lost off base, off course. And the schools that used to welcome you in won't have you any longer. And it seems like, Lord, where are you? But for the Christian, we have got to keep something alive. Come on, just like Simeon did, because God wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh. I have heard all my... Listen, we're, either, we're headed for one of two things in the imminent future. We're headed for the Antichrist, or we're headed for a spiritual outpouring that's going to sweep through this earth. I don't gauge my last day theology on, on, the, on the boogeyman, the Antichrist. I gauge the coming of Christ on Matthew when Jesus said, this gospel is going to be preaching to the end of the earth, and then the end of time will come. Listen, the boogeyman, the Antichrist is coming, but I'm not looking for him. I'm looking for an outpouring of the Spirit. I'm going to wait until I see what God has called. I'm going to believe the Scripture that says, If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, if they'll seek my face, then I'll hear from heaven and I'll heal their wicked land. 
I will do my best to be a steward of my, as a citizen of America in, in what's called politics, but it is the kingdom of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, come on, that I wait for. And I want to wait like Simeon until I see it with my eyes. Come on. And he is a Christmas saint that was faithful to serve God, and he saw what he, he had desired and dreamed for. Come on, give the Lord a good hand. The psalmist says it this way in promise, wait for the Lord. Can you say it? Wait for the Lord, but it's not microwave waiting. It says, be strong and let your heart take courage. It is, allow your heart to take courage. Wait for the Lord. It's as, it's as if as you and I press into God, as we are waiting for God's timing, for John the Baptist to be born, for Jesus to be born, it's not a fitful waiting, but it is an expectant waiting, serving God, staying in the Word, staying in prayer, staying in church, sharing our faith, looking for God to do what only He can do. Come on. And the Christmas saint showed us that. Well, listen, my time's up. I want to close with, with uh, Joseph, just one scripture, and we'll pick him up next week. But Joseph, I think, was probably the most confused and faithful of all. Again, this has been a message about what do I do when life doesn't make sense? Matthew 1 verse 18, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that doesn't mean that God had intercourse with a woman, but it means in some supernatural way there was a, a hovering of the Spirit over her and, and the babe, uh, the Christ child, the seed of God was planted in her womb. Don't you think about that? We read through the Bible just like, you know, I got a burger after church last night, and they, I wanted to made my way. I want a wheat bun, mustard, pickle, lettuce, tomato, onions, and fresh jalapeno. <laughs> Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant. We don't stop to grasp what that means. This is before in vitro fertilization. Listen, you don't have a baby unless you have sex with somebody. Imagine if your 16-year-old came home. I have a 16-year-old. You need to pray for me. She's a good girl, but she got her driver's license, and she has a little cute car that she's driving. So you need to pray for mom and dad. But imagine she goes out and, you know, she gives mom the skinny, you know, where she's going to be. Okay, well, I'm going to, you know, the movie with my friends. And, and where are you now? Well, I'm at the, the, the little wing place. Okay, well, come home. Imagine she comes home and dad's two-thirds asleep. It's 1030 and, and mom says, how was it and everything? She said, oh, mom, I've just got the greatest news. I'm pregnant. But mom, and then dad bolts up. Oh, no, 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 Mom. It was not my boyfriend. God did this. I'm awake now, buddy. And my little gun safe, I've already put the code in. I'm about to go hunting. You know what I'm talking about. I'm just teasing. I wouldn't do that. I'd ask one of my friends to do that for me. Um, but, but, oh, no, Daddy. No, no, no. You've got to believe me. I swear. I get on my knees and I swear. I swear that I did not have sex with a, with, with a boy. Oh, yeah, right. Do you think it was any different in their day? We look at it and there's this little cute, little woolly, furry, little Christmas baby. And, and I'm pregnant. How long can a woman wear skinny jeans while she's pregnant? Can any, anybody tell me that? 
Nobody in the last two services. At some point, she starts showing and people start talking. At some point, Joseph's daddy calls his son. said, boy, sit down. Now, you know your mother and I, we like Mary. Son, you were supposed to wait. This is a shame for you and all. Daddy, daddy, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. What do you mean you didn't do it? Isn't she engaged to you? Well, yeah, she's engaged to me. Are you telling me somebody else got her pregnant? Well, Daddy, I promise you I didn't do it. Are you telling me Mary's a whore? Well, Daddy, I don't know. She told me God did it. Yeah, right. If there's anybody that's faithful, you know what Joseph was going to do? The Bible says because he was a just man, he was going to put her away privately. He was going to divorce her. Engagement in their day was just like marriage, and it had to be a formal legal separation and process. And on the way to do that, God spoke to him, and he had a dream. We'll read that next week. He had a dream, and God told him that he was a part of a plan that was bigger than him. And even though life was confusing, and even though life didn't make sense to Joseph, God was involved in it. Come on. And he needed to stay faithful. He needed to endure the jeers. He needed to tell Mary, don't go to the marketplace, honey. I'll go, and I'll bear the shame when people are laughing. Listen, don't worry about it. Listen, you and I, we're going to go to Jerusalem. She's pregnant now. Come on. It is not fun when she's pregnant going or rather to Bethlehem to be able to register because that was the place of their birth. So now he's going to have to pay taxes with money he doesn't have. And it doesn't seem like he has much money because he can't find a place to stay. You say, well, pastor, the Bible says there's no room for them to stay. I want to tell you what, if you have enough hundred dollar bills in your billfold, you can find a room. I don't care if any room, every room is filled. Listen, if you have enough $100 bills, I'll let you stay in my house. If every hotel in this room is filled up, you just keep going on. I mean, you can go from a single to a queen to a, to a king, whichever you want if you've got another $100 bill. This guy probably didn't have a lot of money. He's got a pregnant wife. She's hurting. You know what it's like. They're in a manger. Now, it, it doesn't get much more confusing for, for, uh, than that, and it's Christmas Eve. Come on. And then the page turns, and God shows up. God showed up. Because he was faithful. But I want to tell you, friends, it is hard to wait. It's hard for me to wait. This has been a hard year for me. I missed a few months in the first part of the year because I had a sickness, a crazy chemical imbalance. It just anxiety and, and adrenaline. It's like my adrenal glands would turn on and wouldn't turn off. And it's been a fight all year for me. And I have been waiting. And it has been hard to get back to normal. Are you with me? And I'm way better than I was. But I'm at our Christmas party, just a, what, uh, Friday night. All my friends are there. We're having a blast. I've got nothing to do other than just enjoy myself. And when it's about a third of the way over, I'm standing at the door, and all of a sudden, this panic attack just barrels on my body. Well, I don't want that to happen. I've been waiting a year for it to stop. I've been quoting scriptures. I've been asking God. I've been pleading God. But you know what I've decided? I've decided that I'm going to wait upon the Lord because those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and they'll not faint. Wait upon the Lord. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. He is a good God and he is worthy of our praise. And the Christmas saints in today's message show us, come on, that you and I can remain faithful to serve God no matter what life holds because God is ultimately in control and he is a good God. Give him a big hand today. He's worthy. 
of all our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? And I want to close today in prayer. I'm so glad you came today in this rainy, rainy Sunday. But I want you to just ask the Lord right now. Say, Lord, just what are you saying to me? Because this is not just a factual story. You could have watched Charlie Brown and got that. I hope there's been a voice within my voice speaking to you, the voice of God. I want to ask you today, if you're here this morning, and say, Pastor, I'm in a time of life when my life's not making sense. I've got some things that I've been wrestling with for a long, long time that I don't understand. I've got scriptures that I stood on, but they hadn't been fulfilled yet. And it's hard sometimes to keep standing. I want to tell you, when a panic attack knocks on my door, I want to get away from there and run as far away from that place as I can. But I need the grace and the strength of God, come on, to having done all to stand. And maybe your life is shaken. I woke up in the middle of the night last night and I heard the wind blowing. When I drove to a church today, I had to come on 59 on that real tall tall uh, bypass. And I texted Rebecca. I said, honey, when you drive, be careful. It's windy outside. Well, maybe it's windy inside in your life. Maybe it's hard to figure things out. But you're here today and you've been inspired by Zechariah and Elizabeth and Anna and Simeon because their lives didn't make sense, but somehow they found strength in their God to go forwards and serve God and they saw His goodness. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I want God to strengthen me because I don't want my faith to fail. But I've got some things I need God to help me with today. If that's you, I want you to just slip out of your chair and let us pray for you. We're just going to begin to sing right now. And, and, and if there is areas of your life you don't understand what's going on and your life is confused, just slip out of your chair right now. We're going to pray for God, for God to do a miracle in your life. Come let us pray for you today. He's a good God. Life may not make sense. But you're coming to this altar to say, I want to be faithful to God. I've lost something. Something someone's done. There's a dream. I want you to pray for me today, Pastor. Pray for me that I stand strong. We'll stand with you. Let us pray for you. I'm going to ask for a Christian just to start to stand behind each one of these. It's coming right now. I need three ladies right over here. I need a man just to come and stand by. Standing, asking God to help us right now. I don't understand what's going on. We're believing God that you're going to walk away from the disappointment and His Holy Spirit's going to rest on you. You come, let us pray for you today. This could be a miracle moment for you. This could be a miracle moment for you. Welcome, Holy Spirit. Come on, just slip your hands to heaven around this altar right now. Lord, we just need you. That's all we're going to say. When life is confusing and it doesn't make sense, we need you. Not too late. Come on up here, let us pray for you. Say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on in life. It doesn't make sense to me. Why Zechariah and Elizabeth couldn't have a baby for 60 years? Why? Why did Anna's husband die? 
plotted Simeon Wade his whole life. But God is still God and a good God. And we just want to remain faithful to God. We want to continue to serve Him. Welcome, Lord. Come on, sing it one time, more time. He's a good God. Because you're a good, 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 good Father. Father. It's who you are. It's who you are. Reach out to heaven with me today and let it's it ring. They're going to keep praying around this altar. We're going to believe God for a miracle moment in our lives. More than a feeling, but something spiritual, something supernatural to happen. But here's my big question for you today. Where do you turn in life's storms? Where do you turn when you face things that are bigger than you? The Bible says our God is a rock. The Bible says our rock is a storm when the ship is being tossed to and fro. God is the anchor in the storms of life. But my friend, it's not enough just to call 911 when you're in trouble. How many know God wants to walk with us every day? And see, the starting place to having a relationship with God is surrendering your life to Christ. It's receiving Him as your Lord and Savior. I was raised in church, but going to church won't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is when you surrender your life to God and start following Jesus. And I did that on August 15, 1976. And maybe this is a turning point in your life, and you need to commit your life to Christ. Maybe you're a Christian and you've gotten off base, and there's not a better day than today to come back to the Lord. And if you need to make a commitment to Christ, we want to pray for you before we dismiss. I'm going to ask you to just slip out of your chair and just come over to this cross on your right. And someone will stand there with you. They'll pray for them, for you, and they'll meet with you today. So you need prayer. You come let us pray. You make a commitment to Christ. We'd be honored to stand with you today. Let's sing it one last time, and then we'll dismiss to go home. Just keep praying with them around that altar. And I see many searching for If you want to this morning, need prayer for anything. But if not, hey, feel free to be dismissed. We look forward to seeing you guys next week. God bless you and hope you have a great week.